Hey, good morning. Hey, that was good. Very exciting. Uh, my name is Robert Bradford. I'm a teaching pastor here at the Grove, and we are so excited that you are here. Um, that seat really was comfortable, Eric. I, I, we need to get one of those for us up here. I can teach from the seat. <laughs> that might not be good. That might not be good. I'd fall asleep. So anyway, we are we are glad you're here. We started a series last week. Um, Eric did a great job of introing this series. Um, the series is called Live More. And the series is really geared for a, a statement that we all make at some point in our lives. Um, whether you're at the top of your game, things are awesome for you, or whether you're at the bottom or really somewhere in between, we, we all come to this place. We make this statement. In fact, Eric had a quote for us a few weeks ago about Tom Brady. You know, he's got four Super Bowl rings and all this. I mean, aside from the deflate thing, um, all the stuff that he's accomplished truly in his career. Um, you know, and his his statement was something that sounded just like this. Um, there has to be more to life than this. There has to be more. And so we're talking about. Can you go to the next slide for me? Thanks. Our, today we're going to talk about Start Here, um, and, and this series is for all of us who make this statement, there has to be more to life than this. And God says, absolutely there is. There absolutely is. And, and what we've been talking about, and what Eric introduced last week, is God made four core promises. And we see them uh, first revealed to us 3,500 years ago. I mean, people talk about the Bible not really being relevant for us today. Well, what I'm going to share with you today was was stated 3,500 years ago, and it is absolutely for us today and relevant for us today. And it answers this question. There has to be more to life than this, that statement. So Eric did a great job, and he, he, um, these four promises that God made, um, Eric gave us a definition for promise. Excuse me. He, made this, uh, def- he gave us this definition, and a promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. A promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, well, I've, you know, I've made a lot of promises and it was, I didn't guarantee the result because, you know, I didn't do it. Um, like when you promised to sponsor me for Bike for Light, but you haven't done it yet. Um, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, what? Sincerity, man. She's always on me. So, you know, um, or maybe someone made a promise to you. And they said, oh, you know, or a vow even, or whatever, those promises that people make and they didn't come through. Well, those are people. This is God. So if God makes a promise to you, he will absolutely keep it. Because God keeps his promises. In fact, uh, Eric showed us last week how in Joshua, Joshua makes a statement that says that every promise that God made has been fulfilled. Or Chuck Smith had said that two-thirds of the Old Testament promises have come true so far. It's statistically impossible for the rest not to come true. That's where we're at. I mean, if you like math, there it is. I just lean on the fact that God is faithful and will absolutely do what he says. I mean, you can see it over and over and over. And I could talk all day about that, but we need to, I need to finish this summary. So, <laughs> um, the, uh, he also expressed, uh, Eric also expressed to us that we need to know his promises, right? We need to know what these promises are. 
We need to understand what his promises are and we need to pursue his promises. This is something we should pursue. If God is making a promise with a guaranteed result, we should pursue it. Right. If somebody, you know, down the street says, hey, if you come to my office in the morning, I will give you a million dollars. It's a promise. Are you going to go? Right. Seven thirty, just to make sure no one else is in line in front of you. Right. Maybe four thirty in the morning. You're going to be at the door. Right. We're going to pursue that. God is making a promise. These are these four core, these four core promises that God made. These are promises he wanted for all mankind. For all of us, he sees the situation we're in and he wants to make a difference. He wants to come and he says, here's the offer. Here are my four promises I make to you. Right. We need to pursue them. And Eric, Eric talked all about that. And, and the reason is this. We are all on a spiritual journey. We all have a spirit. Right. It's in us. We all have a longing to want to know who God is, to, to want to know if there's more to this life. That, that's the reason for that is because we are spirit beings and we are on a journey, on a spiritual journey, and God is spirit, right? The, the phrase, you've all probably heard this, right? There's no atheist in a foxhole, right? When, you're, when you've lost your job and you're staring at all your bills, I don't care if you're an atheist or not, you're looking at it saying, oh my God, what am I going to do? Well, that's a prayer right there, right? So we're all on this journey, right? So that's why it's important for us to, to know, understand, and pursue his promises, right? And, and these four promises, um, we first see them in the Moses story. So Moses was, if you don't know, an, an Israelite leader, uh, leader of, the, of the people of Israel, the Jews, if you will. Um, way back when, 3,500 years ago, and they were, they were, um, they were in Egypt and they were stuck. They've been enslaved. Things had gone bad for them. And, uh, Moses, uh, uh, God spoke to Moses after the burning bush thing, if you've heard about that. And God says, um, I'm gonna do these four things for you guys. Cause they cried out. They had the, oh my God moment and they cried out. And God says, hey, I'm gonna do these four things. And they celebrate that in an event called Passover. Um, they, there are four cups that you drink during the course of Passover um, as a Jew. It's part of their ceremony. And they're celebrating each one of these four promises that God made. And Eric outlined that for us. Um, we see the first one here. These are all in Exodus, the book of Exodus in the Bible, chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. And the Lord said this, um, I, I am the Lord. Okay, so take note. God is basically saying, I created the universe. I created the earth. I created everything in the earth. I am the Lord. I have the power. I have the ability. Nothing can get in my way. I can do all things. I am the Lord. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to bring you out from the yoke of the Egyptians, from bondage. He's going to bring them. And that's a promise that God makes. For all, so he's not, he's not interested in you praying more. He's not interested in you necessarily going to church more or, you know, stopping at stop signs. I saw a Christian not stop at a stop sign out here. It was, I was just like, oh, how could they possibly say that they didn't even stop? And it said like the name of their church on their thing. I was just, oh, right? That's ridiculous, right? But you know, that's, that's the concept people get of Christianity in their head. And God's saying, look, 
I'm, I'm going to bring you out from under this yoke of bondage. Okay, I'm going to bring you out. And then that next promise, he says, I'm going to free you. So it's a little confusing, like if you brought us out, aren't we free? Well, think of it this way. Um, the Israelites still had a heart of slavery. They still had a heart of slavery. So he got them out of Egypt, but now he's got to get Egypt out of them. Right. And, and, and many of us are, are here in this in this spot and, 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 and we're struggling with our issues. You know, we're still trying to work through God's working with us. And, and God's promise to you is that he will free you. Right now, the sad thing here is that that 87 percent of Christians never go beyond this point. They never take on the next two promises. And I'm so excited. Eric's going to talk about this promise next week, a deep dive. And then I'll do the third one. And I can't wait. I can't wait to talk about that because so many of us are stuck here and we need to get here. We need to get to that third promise. And the third promise is simply this. Um, I will redeem you. Okay, I'll redeem you. Not He's not just going to redeem us, redeem you with an outstretched arm. So he's reaching out. You know, a lot of us ask the question, where are you, God? Well, he's he's reaching out. Right. And, and redeem you simply means I'm going to put you back to your original, to my original tent for your life. I had a plan for you. You're over here in Egypt and things that you're enslaved, you're in bondage and all that stuff. I had it, an original intent for you. And I'm going to do that in your life. I'm going to bring you to, to that. Uh, Chris Hodges says it this way. And I think Eric may have said this last week. Um, there are two important days in your life. Two most important days in your life. The day you were born and the day you found out why you were born. So come back for sure for the third promise. In two weeks, we're going to talk about why you were born. And when you find that out, your purpose in life, God redeems you, you can move then to the next promise, the fourth promise, which is simply this. Um, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Right? So the first three are like you, you, you. Now it's people. I'm going to bring you into my family. I'm going to put you strategically in connection and in relationships and, and you will be my people, right? And, and the reality here is, is that this is really what Christianity is all about, these four things. And Eric did a great job of outlining that. Um, you know, when you are walking in, in this fourth promise, this is hysterical, okay? When you're walking in, you're living at the highest level, right? You're living at the highest level. So secular sociologists Say this, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, go look at it. The highest level of living is when you are doing something that makes a difference in this earth. You are really living when you're doing something that makes a difference. I just want to call Maslow and say, hey, dude, this was written 3,500 years ago. I know you feel like you just discovered this, but God said this a long time ago. I will make you my own people, and I will be your God. Right? And, and, then, and this is the best part. Then, then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the yoke of bondage. So, so those are the four promises, and that's what God is, has put in place, the four core promises that God, has, that God wants for all mankind. So Eric did a good job. High five, Eric. <laughs> 
outlining, you don't get nothing. You still owe me for Bike for the Light. When are you going to pay your thing? <laughs> I'm just giving, I won't do that to you unless you don't pay up or whatever that is. <laughs> All right, so what are we going to talk about today? This is exciting time. So what we're going to talk about, oh, I, I'm sorry, let me step back. So just to cover the four, four promises is one, the promise of salvation, and that's what we call that when he brings us out of bondage, the Christian term for that is salvation, and then the promise of freedom, that's where he frees us from the heart of slavery, and the third is the promise of restoration, putting us uh, back to where we are, that's the Christian term for that, and then the fourth promise being the promise of fulfillment, right? So when we do that, um, when we engage in these promises, we can live more, and that's the point of this series, is that so that we can live more, we can live more. So what I'm going to talk about today is the first uh, promise coming out of the yoke of bondage, and uh, uh, Moses, uh, the Lord told Moses this, Exodus 6, I will bring you out from under the yoke. Now, what's, let me just give you a little background. So the Israelites, um, there was a famine in, in, actually in this world, in this area, this part of the world, and the Israelites went to um, Egypt, different, you know, uh, because of certain circumstances, they were welcomed with the Pharaoh, and he gave them some land, said, hey, you guys over there fed them and took care of them, and things were awesome. And then um, uh, they, they multiplied like crazy, more than the Egyptians. And a, a pharaoh that came later, who didn't remember all, this, all of these good things, why they were there, etc., he became afraid of how, how, much, and how much they had grown and was afraid that they would take over uh, Israel. And so operating under the spirit, of fear and um, dominance, he enslaved them. Okay, he enslaved them and put them in bondage. And as we look at this, what we're going to see is that same spirit. You know, to use a Christian term, we'd say it was a demonic spirit that was over him and, and putting the pressure and directing him, and he was listening to. That spirit is alive and well today. You know, this promise is valid for us today because that same spirit that is there is here today. All right, so we're going we're gonna to see how this works. So, so the first decree this Pharaoh made is, is he enslaved them and he put them, he forced them as slaves to make bricks. Okay, so they put them in mud pits, doing straw, making mud bricks. They actually had a lot to do with making the, the, the pyramids and all that stuff during that time period. And uh, and they were they were enslaved. And basically, you, you mean when we think about slavery, I don't. For me, anyway, I think about the South and the Civil War and you know all that kind of stuff like that. I think of slavery like that. But but a better definition of slavery um, is uh, submitting is submitting to a dominant influence, right? So we can we can be enslaved to lots of different things. Right. We can be enslaved. You mean alcohol, drugs, shopping, sorry, uh, eating, you know, I mean, whatever, you know, retail therapy, you know, whatever. Just try and give it up and see if you can. <laughs> you don't know whether you're enslaved or not. Right. We can we can feel enslaved. And basically, I mean, how people describe that is I, I feel stuck. I feel stuck in this life. 
This, it's going nowhere and I'm, I'm stuck. And the way I would say it here is you feel enslaved. You feel enslaved. Um, Jesus says it this way about being enslaved in John 8, 34, 35. He says, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead end life and is, in fact, a slave. And a slave is a transient who can't come and go at will. Right? You're, we're stuck. Right? We're enslaved. And what he, what the Pharaoh did for them, it's still alive and happening for us today. Right? We get enslaved. We feel trapped in a dead end life. Um, that's telling us how to live, how we have to live. The examples, I mean, the, the more uh, emotional examples of this are, are women that are at the rape crisis center. Right? They've been beaten, raped by their husband or boyfriend, and yet they go back. And yet they go back. And yet they, they go back. Uh, a friend of mine was in that situation, a lady I knew. And it made no sense to me, but she was enslaved. She was enslaved. God says, I'll bring you out. I will bring you out. The second thing that Pharaoh did is uh, he murdered uh, the babies. So he took all the firstborn of all the Israelites and had them thrown into the Nile River. You know, why did he do that? Because he wanted to take away Israel's potential. Now, how many of you know you've experienced this in your life? When you feel enslaved, you're stuck in that dead end thing. It's not going anywhere. Satan will come after you in the same thing. Satan, that demonic spirit, I'll use it that way, uh, comes, comes in and, and robs you of your hope and your potential. Right? He's still killing babies today. Right? And it's to take away the potential that is in, that is in them. And to take away the potential that is in us. Right? He's trying to stop their potential. You know, and in some ways this was me as a, as a youth. You know, I, I was bullied and I lived in the same house for 20 years. I was born there and I moved out when I was 20. Okay, so the kid that was bullying me in kindergarten was still bullying me in ninth grade. Okay, I mean, it was, you know, and I just, it was like that. And, and I was quirky and geeky. I had three older sisters, so I didn't really have an older brother to toughen me up or any of that, you know, and uh, which has helped me in my marriage, but it's, it didn't help me during this thing, you know, um, to understand women and my two daughters. Good grief. There's a lot of estrogen in my house. So anyway, um, I, 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 you know, this was kind of me. And, it, and really, if you knew me when I was a, a young teen or a teenager, um, you would not recognize who I am today. You know, I didn't try out for sports. I, there was a lot of things I didn't do because I was, you know, all that potential that was in me had been sucked out of me. Right? And, and, and you, you feel this way too. I think the way I would say how I felt, maybe the way you felt, is I felt empty. I felt empty. Right? They felt empty. The third thing this Pharaoh did was he required them as a punishment to go and collect their own straw. So before they were bringing the straw, sent them next to them. So they had to extend their day and more hours to go and get straw and bring it so that they could then make the same number of bricks that they were making before. And, and this punishment is, it, we, it, he was, right, he was stuffing their day with all this activity and hours 
and he was exhausting them. Is that spirit not alive today? I mean, how long ago was it? Just a, a month or so ago, I preached a, I preached a message called Crazy Busy because everybody says that to me, right? Crazy busy. We're so busy, so full of activity. I, I can't tell you how many times somebody asks me how I am and I say I'm tired. I'm tired, right? He wants to... He wants to exhaust us, right? Because when we're exhausted, do we make awesome decisions? No, <laughs> right? We make our worst decisions when we're extremely tired. I have a rule for myself. I, may, I will not make a, a, a significant decision when I'm tired. That's a rule, right? Because Satan wants to careen my life off a cliff. And, it, and one of the ways he does that is through exhaustion, right? We go on vacation to get a break. And what happens? You come back and... You need a vacation from your vacation, right? You know, because the truth is that rest is not in, in, rest is not in activity, right? It's not in activity. It's not. Rest is a condition of the soul. Rest is a condition of the soul, right? That's good preaching right there, okay? Right? Rest. Thank you. Amen. Yeah. So rest, rest is a condition of the soul. So um, if you're in this place where you feel uh, enslaved, empty, or exhausted, you are a candidate for this first promise that God has because God says this. He says, I will bring you out. Right? This is the promise of salvation. This is the promise of salvation. And we, what we see in, in, in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of, of this, this promise and the power that God put in place to bring us out of where he, he did what he did for them at that time with his awesome power. And here we are today in the same boat with that same spirit on us. And Jesus Christ, I mean, that's why we talk about it. You're like, well, what do I need Jesus for? Well, you need Jesus because Jesus is the power. What he did is, is God's evidence and power to bring us out. Right, so here's here's some verses, just a couple, real quick, that talk about the impact that Jesus had has on this promise of salvation. Right, um, in John ten ten, Jesus said this: the thief. Now, the, the thief that basically represents this demonic spirit that I was talking about, this attitude, this this being, this spirit that comes to enslave and get us empty and get us exhausted. That thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So he steals your hope, he kills your faith, and he destroys you. Right? I mean, just look at the numbers for suicide today in youth. Right? Steal, kill, and that's why he's here. Steal, kill, and destroy. And and you may think, no, 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 I don't believe all that. Look, Look at the evidence. Look at the evidence that is out there of people who are in this situation. I'm talking about a book that was written 2,000 years ago. Evidence of events 3,500 years ago. It's real. It's real and it's relevant to us today. But Jesus said this, okay? Opposite. Jesus says, I've come that you would have life and have it to the full. Right? I have come that you would have life and have it to the full. That's why we're doing this series, Live More. Because, and this is where you start. This is where you start, right? So we should go after it. If these are the promises that God has for us, we should go after them. 
Here's another verse. It stands to reason, doesn't it? Now, it's written in Romans by the Apostle Paul. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life. Okay, so before we read the rest of the verse here, alive and present God who raised Jesus, what he's saying here is if God has the power, I mean, just imagine the power that, God, that it took to raise Jesus from the dead. If God has that kind of power, then he has that power available to use in your life. He can bring you out, in other words. He'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself on the next slide. Right? When God... So go to the next one. When God lives and breathes in you, Paul, Paul writes, you are delivered from that dead life with a spirit living in you. Your body will be as alive as Christ's. Right? That power that God has, he can, he can bring you out. The next verse, last one here is... Um, written by Peter, one of uh, Jesus' uh, disciples. He says, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And that future starts now. And really, that's, that's where we get the title of this, this talk, is it starts here. It starts here, right? He is the offer for us, and he's making this offer for us. This is the first promise. He says it very clearly. I will bring you out from under the yoke. And God is reaching out saying, I will bring you out. Right? You can stay. You can stay in Egypt. You can stay in a dead end life if you want. I don't know why you would, but you can. So the, the question becomes, you know, maybe you're asking, how did I get here? If you're in this situation, you're, you know, how did I get here? Well, the, for the Israelites, it wasn't intentional. You know, and sometimes it's not intentional for us to have gotten here. You know, when I was in this place, I, I, I don't even know how I got there. Right. But a better question is this. How do we get out? Right. If this if God is offering us this promise, if God is saying, I will bring you out, what's my role? What's my role? Really quickly, there are three things that really we need to do if we're going to make this move. If we're going to make this move. Okay, the first is this. We need to make the move, right? The Israelites had to pack up their stuff and actually walk out of there. God made the way. He parted the sea. He did all this stuff, removed Pharaoh from all, you know, all of his enslavement power over them. And they had to leave, right? They had to leave. So we have to make the move with God. And this is one of the big internal steps that we have to make. And, the, and the, the Christian word we use for this is repent. Now that freaks some people out, especially if you've, you know, got, got that turn and burn message in your face, uh, you know, and the whole thing, repent, you know, and all that stuff might freak you out. I just want you to know that the real definition for the word repent is, is simply to, to a change in your direction and head a different way. You, you make a change in your direction and you head a different way. That's all it is. Right. And it's time for some of us to take that state to to leave Egypt. You know, the Bible says it this way. He said it says, therefore, come out from among them, 
Come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Right. Change your direction. You know, touch no unclean thing and I will receive you and I will be a father to you. I will be a father to you. That's relationship. I'll be a father to you and I will receive you. Um, I'm sorry. I'll be a father to you and will be and you will be my sons and daughters. That's that family fourth promise coming up right there, says the Lord God Almighty. Right. The second thing we need to do in this process is we need to let it go. We need to let Egypt go. Almost always when someone is trying to come out and, and we see this for the Israel, it's the same thing. We see the same thing for us today. There's something typically that we're hanging on to. It was the thing that was validating us, the thing that was trying to fill that empty hole. And it seems like it's good, uh, but it really wasn't. Right? Any, anything in itself, you might look at it and say it's good. But let me tell you something. Okay, this is important. If you have something that is you think is good, but is distracting you from your relationship with the Lord, is distracting you from following God, it is not good. It doesn't matter how on its own it looks good. It is not good. It's not good. And you need to let it go. And God's not going to take that from you. Right? He's making the offer. We have to let it go. We have to offer that thing back to say, okay, yeah, I really want to come out. And I want to leave uh, Egypt. Um, and we offer that up. The, the Christian term for that we use is surrender. Salvation is best described in one word as surrender. And we surrender. We surrender that thing. Um, in, in Mark chapter 8, um, Jesus says this, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. They have to surrender. Right? You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Follow me and I will show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice, letting go, surrender, is the way, my way, to saving yourself. Basically, you engaging in this promise. The third thing is this. um, You have to commit your life. In this transition, you have to commit your life, right? We've, we have, you know, when we're in Egypt and all this lifestyle and everything, you know, there's a commitment there, right? We're, even though we're enslaved, even though it sucks, we're still there and there's a commitment there. When you leave e- Egypt, you have to commit your way to the Lord. You have to make that transition. Paul writes about it this way in his, in his letter to the Romans. He says, just as you need to offer yourselves, As slaves to impurity, just as you used to do that, offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. So those are two Christian terms that basically means you're applying the principles of God to your life, right, living, righteousness. And holiness is that thing about being separate and not living like you're still in Egypt, right? We need to... Us, we need to reassign our allegiance. And, and some of us haven't done that. We, we think we're saved and we've, we've you know, made a statement of, um, yeah, Lord, come in. And, but we really haven't followed these full steps. And I'm not trying to say you're not saved. I'm just trying to say you need to do this. You need to do all of these, all of these steps. And the big one is committing your life. And the best way to, to describe that um, is to talk about the concept of 
um, relationship, right? Because when we talk about uh, committing our lives, we're talking about that relationship. That God has a relationship for us. And this is where it starts, right? It starts here. It starts here. Can you go to the next slide for me? So here's our question for us, right? Do you want out? Do you want out? Right. Some of us, a lot of us here, we've we've made this this choice, and we're um, on to the next promise or the next one after that. Uh, but some of you here today, you're not there, and you need to make that decision. Do you do you want to stay under the yoke of bondage in a dead end life, or do you want to take take God's offer? to live in these promises so that you can live in the highest highest level of living. Do you want out of Egypt, right? So this is my challenge for you, right? It is to to search for one truth, one promise that you can hold on to this week. Right? That Eric's promise Eric's challenge from last week is to do that, to to search for one truth, one promise that you can hold on to this week, I'm asking you today that it be this promise. Take God up on his offer. Take God up on his offer. That you will take this challenge. So in closing, I mean, if we could just take a minute, everybody, you know, bow your heads and close your eyes just for the privacy of others. Um, I want to ask, is there anybody here who you've experienced this uh, dead end life. You, you're, you're in that space of where you're, you're, you feel enslaved, you feel stuck, you're empty, and you're exhausted, and you want out. Yeah, just raise your hand if you want out. Right? Amen. So how we get out is to to pray this prayer, and and, and we we invite God in, and then we start taking these steps. We begin to take these steps. So I just want, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a conversation. We're just talking to God and saying, God, I want, I want, I want to make this change. And when we ask Jesus to come into our life and to impact us and we turn our life over to Him, that's that surrender and that commitment. So if, if you'll pray with me, everybody can pray, right? Who's comfortable? Um, and, and let's, let's go before the Lord in, in this prayer. Lord Jesus, I ask you to to get me out. Bring me out. I put my faith and my trust in you that you can get me out. And I'm taking this step today to invite you in so that you can lead me out. Lord, I made a lot of mistakes while I was here in Egypt. Jesus, forgive me for those things. Lord, I invite you to clean me up. In Jesus' name, amen. So those of you that raise your hands, um, we have a Bible for you out on the table. It's free to you. Please pick one up. Start reading. You can even find Exodus. It's kind of in the beginning part of this. And you can read about what I talked about. You can read the four I wills for yourself, Lord. And, and then you can ask the Lord to come in. 
uh, even more and take you through the next promise and the next promise. Next thing is, you need to be here next week. If you raised your hand, clear your schedule, whatever comes up, whatever. You need to be here next week because you're going to find out what it is to get free. To get free, right? And I'm going to be praying for you, Eric, the team here at the Grove. We're going to be praying for you this week that God will bring you out and bring you to that place. So don't miss next week. Actually, don't miss the next three weeks. Don't miss the next three weeks. The other gift we have for you is called Ten, Step, Ten Steps Toward Christ. And basically, this book is, is about the second promise and moving you forward in your relationship. Actually, it might cover all three of the next three. Yeah, the next three. So you want to get this and use it. Study it. Read it, right? Go after this promise. God is offering it. God is offering it. And if you're here and, and you know, you've been a Christian a while, this message may have impact. You may have been able to identify with, I'm still empty and I'm still exhausted. And you can see that that, that, that spirit is still over you, still working in your life. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. You need to get out of that. You need to do the same thing and take this offer and walk in it. Amen.